Thank you, Brother Dan. Our title of our lesson today is Not Forgotten. Our family theme is The Savior Serves. Our objective is that we would uh, help reach others for Jesus Christ and live with confidence knowing that God will never leave us. He'll never forget us as we walk with Him. Isn't that great to know that? He'll never leave us or forget us. We'll be in Isaiah 49 this morning, the entire chapter. We've got three key truths. First of all, God sent the servant, Jesus, to redeem people from all nations. Isn't that great news? Amen. Also, key truth number two is God does not leave or forget his people. The third key truth we're going to find out is that our future is bright uh, for us because God is in control. How many believe that this morning? He is in control. Our Bible basics, we're encouraged to review Jeremiah 17, verse 7, uh, where the Bible says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man whose hope is in the Lord. Amen. So where does this story fit in the story of the Bible? Isaiah uh, lived and wrote, uh, or prophesied, I guess, his ministry lasted for uh, from the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, those kings of Judah. Now, it's also interesting, <coughs> those kings, uh, about 80 years is covered there. Uh, I don't believe Isaiah ministry was 80 years long because in chapter 6, Isaiah mentioned in the year King Isaiah died. And so probably toward the end of Isaiah's ministry uh, or his kingship, but Isaiah had been reigned over 50 years, and so change was about to come. But again, that's when Isaiah mentions that God's word had come to him. Under our get started this morning, the question is, anybody, anybody ever forget something important? And give us an example, if you will. Anybody got an example? Dan. Did it have repercussions? <laughs> Somebody else. <laughs> Some years ago, uh, one of our former pastors and still a good friend of mine, uh, he had he had a wedding to do. And I never forget he called me one afternoon. He said, you won't believe what I just did? I said, what? He said, I forgot I had a wedding this afternoon. He was gone somewhere and had been gone for several hours. And he said, when I got back here, he said, that couple's here wait, still waiting on me, and I was two hours late. He said, I completely forgot about that wedding. And so, of course, it was a small informal wedding, but it didn't matter to him. You know, it was important. He said, I, I just can't believe uh, I did that. Well, I, I think the truth of it is almost all of us, uh, have forgotten something important one time or the other in our lifetime. The great news is, we're going to find out today, we're going to find out that our God, He will never leave us, He will never forget us, even though at times it may feel like He has. Now remember, if God makes a promise, will He keep it? Yes, He will. And He promised to never leave us or forsake us, even to the end of the age. Isaiah's prophecies 
include four sections that theologians has, have called the servant songs. The servant song. Now, there are a few theologians that say there are five of them. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, in those four songs, uh, we see uh, the servant as a reference to our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to find out today, we're going to take one example of Isaiah 49. Uh, it's kind of, uh, whenever we think about what, it, what we know in the New Testament, it's easy for us to see that Isaiah is speaking about Jesus Christ when he speaks about the servant, okay? Now, also understand this, uh, the Jews don't see Jesus. Uh, because they, they would certainly never see the Messiah as a suffering servant. And, of course, that's fine. that that part's in Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, as you, if you have the overall view of the Scriptures, it's easy to see that Isaiah has to be writing about the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So today we're going to be in Isaiah 49, and that is one of the sections, if you will, uh, that talk about the servant, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pick it up in Isaiah 49, the first 13 verses. And we're going to find out that God sent a servant, Jesus, to redeem people from all nations. Somebody read the first 13 verses, please. Thank you. 
Right, thank you, Dan. I was, as you were reading, Dan, I was underlining several different times. Uh, you'll notice in uh, in verse three, uh, the Bible says, "And he said unto me, Thou art my servant." We see the word servant there. Also in verse five, uh, we see the word servant. Uh, we see it again uh, in verse seven, uh, the word servant. And again, this is why it's called one of the servant divisions of the book of Isaiah. Now, it's interesting, the first verse talks about uh, the isles or the coastlands, uh, a people far away. Now, uh, keep in mind, Isaiah is addressing the nation of Israel. And so, who would the people far away be? Thank you. Yeah, the Gentiles. Not just, not just only in geography, but in relationship with God. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, they, and again, the Jews would have understood that. He's referring to uh, the Gentiles. And it's interesting, Isaiah is speaking here, and, uh, or God is speaking through Isaiah, if you will. And uh, the interesting thing here is uh, Isaiah has a lot to say to Israel, and he speaks often uh, to the Holy One of Israel, or speaks about the Holy One uh, of Israel. And of course, you know, we know that servant to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but it's interesting, uh, the first three verses, when it's talked about this servant, speaks of the divine origin and the divine purpose of the servant. Now, here's what's interesting. God called the servant. God named the servant. God prepared the servant. God protected the servant. Now, early on in, in our text, Dan, you just read that there, uh, God calls Israel the servant. And that's why a lot of Jews say, well, it's not talking about the Messiah here. It's talking about the nation of Israel. But there's a few verses down, there's no mistake about it. It cannot be talking about the nation of Israel. So the question came up, why would God, uh, in reference to the servant, call the servant Israel? Well, the bottom line is this. God's purpose for Israel was to take the gospel to the whole world. They were to share God with the whole world. How did Israel do with that? Not good at all. Uh, in fact, they failed that mission. So by calling Israel the servant, he's speaking about Christ because Jesus epitomizes everything Israel should have been and was not. And Now again, let me remind you, uh, how many know God doesn't have plan B? Isn't that true? Uh, how many know God didn't wake up and say, oh man, this Jew thing didn't work out, so i got to have another plan? No, that's not the issue here. But we need to understand, God did want Israel to spread, to share the news about God to a whole world. Because we've got to remember, who did Jesus die for? Everyone. Who did God love? Everyone. Not just the Jews. So, again, when it refers to Israel here as being the servant, it's talking about Jesus epitomizing everything Israel should have been, and they 
were not. So here we have the servant, Christ. He's called by God. He's protected by God, all these things. But we also find out here in Isaiah, this servant certainly experienced some setbacks. Isn't that true? In fact, in John's Gospel, John chapter 1, he said he came to his own, and what happened? They wouldn't receive him. They rejected him. So he had uh, some some setbacks. And it's also interesting, uh, early on in his ministry, uh, there were uh, uh, many that came to follow him, but as his ministry went on, what happened to a lot of those people? They fell away. They simply didn't follow him. And so in the overall scope of things, and Isaiah is prophesying about this, it appears as though the servant had labored in vain. But here's one thing the servant realized. He realized that his strength and vindication did not come from people. It came from who? It came from God. Now, by the way, if we are going to expect people to give us strength, how's that going to work out? Not good. We, we've got to depend upon God, and so did the servant. Now, it's also interesting, uh, the, verses 5, it says, give us uh, how God sees uh, the situation there. And it's interesting, God intended for the servant to bring Israel back to their maker and redeemer. Now, again, that's why we know uh, this is not talking about Israel here. It's talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But also understand, now remember, the call went out in verse 1, even to the Gentiles. And there's no mistake about it, God did want the servant to bring Israel back. But there's more to the story than that. God wanted to honor a servant, and he would do that. But it's also interesting just bringing Israel back was not what all the only thing God had in mind. God wanted to redeem the Gentiles as well. So I need to ask this morning, why is that important to you and I? Why is it important to us? Say it again. Yeah, we're Gentiles. And God always had a heart for the whole world. I mentioned earlier there are four servant songs in the book of Isaiah. Uh, Chapter 49 is certainly one of them where we are today. Uh, Chapter 42 is another one. And chapter 42 introduces a servant not as someone who is violent and conquering, uh, but someone who conquers with quiet confidence. And Matthew refers to that in his gospel in chapter 12. This morning we're in Isaiah 49, and again, uh, we're looking at the calling and preparation uh, of the servant. And when Simeon blessed the baby Jesus, he referred to this in Luke chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 50 is another uh, servant song, if you will. And in Isaiah 50, this servant, uh, he, he lifts up, he, uh, he studies those who are weary, and he relies upon God for vindication. That's referred to in Mark 15 and John chapter 8. Isaiah 52 and 53, probably the best known uh, of the suffering servant. That's the suffering servant, if you will, and how he achieved salvation for us. And that's one area that Jews really struggled in because they never saw the Messiah as a suffering Messiah. But nonetheless, 
We see it referred to in Matthew's Gospel, in John's Gospel, in the book of Acts, in the book of Romans, even First Peter talks about the suffering servant. So there are four servant songs here in the book of Isaiah. Now it's also interesting, and I mentioned earlier, that the Jewish scholars would say, you know what, uh, these four songs, they refer to the nation of Israel as a whole. But verse 6 of today's lesson does not support that view. It has to be talking about the Messiah. Now, again, we talked about the setbacks uh, that the Messiah, the servant, would have. And we mentioned uh, the Jews rejected Jesus. And because they hated him so bad, they were willing, if you will, to sort of join with the Romans who they also hated, but not as bad as they hated Jesus, to have him killed. And it's interesting, again, the Jews expected the Messiah to fight against their enemies. And of course, this time Rome was their enemy. And when Jesus didn't do that, they were very, very disappointed. In fact, uh, not only did the nation turn against them, uh, even when he was arrested, the disciples also uh, fled uh, and, and hid from him when he was arrested. It's also interesting. God says, yes, they did reject him. But it's also going to be a time when he walks by, rulers will stand and they will bow before him. They will recognize him as he is. Also interesting, verses 8 through 12, uh, God described, the, the Bible describes the promise God made to call the Jews and Gentiles, both groups, to salvation. In fact, he offers a favorable day of salvation for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. He promised he would shine upon those who were in darkness. He provide and protect his people. He'd bring his sheep in from all directions, speaking about uh, Israel being in captivity. Um, and by the way, God had promised He was going to bring a Redeemer, a Redeemer, a Savior to His people, Israel. But here's the great news, folks, for you and I. From the foundation of the world, God had planned long ago for you and I who are Gentiles not just Jews, to participate in the benefits of that Redeemer. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God for His love for us. It's interesting, in verse 13, uh, Isaiah calls on nature itself to praise, to praise God uh, because God's afflicted people, the Jews uh, and the Gentiles, have now been... Redeemed, have now been redeemed. Kind of interesting, we're thinking about how God has brought the gospel uh, even to the Gentiles. And the discussion through the years is when did God decide to do that? And, and some would think, well, probably after the Jews rejected Jesus and crucified him. Well, the fact of the matter is, my question would be, when did God decide to include Gentiles? Say what? It was always his plan. 
from the foundation of the world. It has always been God's plan. In fact, even today in Isaiah, hundreds of years before the time of Christ, God was already revealing to us through Isaiah that the Messiah, the servant, would also be a light to the Gentiles. But I also want you to realize he's revealing it here in Isaiah 49. But God, Cheryl, as you said, he always had on his heart from the foundation of the world, God was going to redeem all people. In fact, if you go back to Genesis, what did God promise Abraham would happen through him? What did God say to Abraham? He said all people of the earth will be blessed through him. Of course, ultimately ultimately through uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So my question is, when did God know what he would do about this situation? When did he know it? Amen. From the foundation of the world. He always knew. It's always been his intent to make salvation to anyone who would believe. And Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. Thank God for that great love he had for us. Now remember, who does God want to be saved? What do you mean everyone, Dan? Amen, that's it. Not just Jews. He wants everyone to be saved. And to accomplish that, he offers forgiveness. He offers salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, we're saved only one way through faith in Christ. So, in way of application, we need to thank God for redeeming and blessing us, and we need to be helpful, be helping getting the gospel to all people. Uh, let's see here. I've got a couple of questions here. In verses 8 through 13, Isaiah describes how God would bless his people. My question is this. In what way, or ways, plural, does God bless his people today? How does God bless his people today? In what ways? Do you what now? That's amen. Yes, indeed. What about, um, say it again, Cheryl. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, his mercy and grace. No, you know, what, where, where would we be without his mercy, without his grace? All of these blessings. What about provision that God gives us? What about the joy that God gives? What about the strength God gives us? What about the direction that God gives? All of those things. And so God has always desired to bless his people, and especially through the Lord Jesus Christ. So key truth number one, God sent Jesus to redeem people from all nations. Key truth number two, here's a good one, God does not leave or forget his people. Isaiah 49, 14 through 21. Anybody want to read that?
Thank you, Jordan. Notice, if you will, in there in verse 14, it says, But Zion said. Remember we did that series on But God some months ago now. And when you see the word but, it kind of negates what you said before, what was said before, or I tried to. And as I looked at this lesson this week, it dawned on me, in the previous verses, God had promised the nation of Judah particularly, I'm going to deal gracefully with you. Now you need to remember this is during the time of the divided kingdom, Judah, the southern kingdom, Israel, the northern kingdom, ten tribes in the north, two in Judah. And by the time Isaiah writes this, the northern kingdom is already in captivity. And it's not looking good for Judah. In fact, they are circling the drain. After years of warning over and over again. And here in Isaiah, God is promising, promising that I am going to restore you. And if you know anything at all about Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, as God sent these prophets to warn them of impending judgment, Israel was slow in accepting that message. Uh, in, in fact, they did not accept the message that judgment was coming. They simply would not believe that God would judge his people. And the sad thing is, now that judgment was coming, and now that Isaiah is prophesying a message of forgiveness and restoration, they simply don't want to believe that either. And so while God said, here's what I'm going to do, Israel says, you've forgotten us. You have forgotten who we are. How many know of the few things we can be sure of in our world, one thing we know for sure, God will not forget us. He will not forget his people. And so Zion, Jerusalem, is Judah, in fact, says, you have forgotten us, Lord. You have forgotten all about us. What's God's answer to that? How do you answer? What do you say? Implying what? No. Could it happen? Sure. I mean, come on, with humanity, anything could happen, right? But it's not likely. And the point is, even if that could happen, what's God saying? Uh, I won't forget you. I don't know how many times I had read through that verse. Did you ever read by the word and never click with you? Huh? I'm guilty of that sometimes. But I remember some years ago, man, it's been when Warren Wiersbe, Warren Wiersbe was, uh, it might have been, it might have even been Woodrow Crow, one of the two, on Back to the Bible. And they were preaching on this topic. And for the first time it hit me. God says, I won't forget you. And, and again, and you're right, Jordan, it's not likely that a mercy mother would forget her child. Uh, and, and, and in fact, 
That's our expectation that a, a nursing mother would have compassion on their children. And again, we know there are times even human kindness, human compassion will fail. But what about God's love? What about when it comes to that? God's love will never fail. He will never forget his people. In fact, Isaiah, God said, your walls are always before me. And the New Living Living Translation adds, the broken down walls of Jerusalem, I see them. And the point is, I see what's going on in your life. I know what's going on. I see that I haven't forgotten you. And God said, from where I sit, and by the way, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I need to remind myself how bad I need God's perspective. I need to see things the way God sees them. And God says, listen, from where I sit, the destroyers are leaving and the builders are getting ready to arrive. They are leaving those who hurt you and the ones who will help you are coming back. I know it's true for all of us today. We certainly know there are times that we would, and we really do, we want to, to depend on the important people in our lives. But sometimes, what will people do? Will they ever let us down? Sure. There are times they'll disappoint us. But Isaiah reminds us, God will never let us down. Our God will never, ever disappoint us. We can depend on God's love. We can depend on God's blessings on our life as we live every day trusting and obeying our God. And I realize that not just children, young people, but, but there are times all of us feel insecure in life. And even as children and young people need the encouragement, uh, encouragement and reassuring of their parents, please understand that even the best people in our lives can disappoint us. They may forget us, but my friend, we can know one thing for sure. Our God will never, He will never forget us. Now, by the way, during this time of judgment, and God didn't hide it from the Jews, from, from Judah, said, you'll lose so many inhabitants, the land will look like a wasteland. But God says, that's not the last word. My plan is to bring people back. My plan is to repopulate the land. And God says, you won't believe it when it happens. God says there'll be a time. There will be a time when the population will grow like you never expected it could happen. 
God was going to bring it to pass. And by the way, we, we know that in that culture it was a shame uh, for a woman to be barren. And God kind of uses that image of a woman bereaved of her children. And now she suddenly finds herself with children she didn't even know about. What's interesting, the Bible says, God says, these children need room. And the question is, where did they come from? Where did they come from? Now, make no mistake about it, judgment was coming for Israel. It was coming, and it was going to be a horrible experience. But God, through Isaiah, says to the Jews, it is not the final experience for my people. God says, I've got great things in mind for you. God says, you need to believe my promise of favor. You need to believe my promise, just like you needed to believe my promise of judgment, because God was not ever going to forget Israel. So my question is today, when will God forget us? Never. He will never forget us. Any question about that? Let's apply it. Trust God in every situation, knowing with assurance that He will never leave us or forsake us. Have you, have you ever been tempted to feel like God has forgotten you? I think we all have at times. You ever had a pity party? Huh? Woe is me. Lord, you've forgotten me. Why do you think God allows a situation like that to make us feel that way? Why would, he, why would he allow that to happen in our lives? Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. And folks, it happens to the best of us. God is certainly teaching us that show us the opportunity, obviously, that Jesus can make a difference in our lives. So, number one, God sent Jesus to redeem people from all nations. Number two, God does not forget his people or leave them. Number three, our future is bright because God is in control. Verses 22 through 26. Thank you, Ellen. Would you mind going back to verse 22 and read the first phrase there, please? 
What's that mean? Yeah. Not Isaiah. Not Isaiah defending it. This is coming from God. Now remember, when God prophesied judgment, God says, I'll bring your enemies on you, and I'm going to allow your enemies to have victory over you. And did God do that? Yes. Whose fault was that, by the way? Whose fault was it? Yeah. They, they, they were foolish. They were disobedient. They were stiff-necked. They rebelled against God. But remember, God said, I will bring your enemies against you. Now, here's what's interesting. How many know that God's in control? Now, you won't hear that on the daily news. They don't want to admit it. But again, why did Babylon come to take Israel in captivity? Say it again. Yeah, they said, but who... Who sent, who sent Babylon? God did. God's in control here. God is in control. God is the sovereign director of all human affairs. So now God, thus saith the Lord, God says, you know what? I will deliver you, and I'm going to do it in such a way, there's no way you can mistake who did it. And here's what's interesting. <laughs> he said, I won't need to explain it. I don't need to go into detail. All I have to do is wave my hand, basically. And Babylon and Persia is going to do it. Now, here's what's interesting. God says, they're not just going to release you to come back home. They're going to help you in your journey. Is that amazing or what? Now think about that. And as you read the book of Nehemiah and the other books on the return of Israel, it's amazing what they did. The supplies they gave them, the protection they sent along with them to protect them. They traveled back to their homeland. So God said, they're not going to just release you and say, you go home. They're going to help you. They're going to carry you back, so to speak, to the land. Now, here's what's interesting. And folks, this reminds us this morning that God is not only watching Israel, He's watching the Gentiles. He's got the whole world in His hands. And Isaiah, or God speaking here through Isaiah, understands how people are going to react. What are you saying? What do you mean? I mean, can the prey really be taken from the mighty one? Can someone who is legally captive be set free? And no doubt they're thinking, you know what, Isaiah? Keep on babbling. There's no way this is going to happen. That's not how our world works 
But here's my question. If God promises something, what can you count on? It's going to happen. No matter how far-fetched it might seem, it is going to happen. Now, here's what's interesting. We think we know how the the real world works, but guess who knows? God says, let me show you. Let me show you how the real world works because I'm in charge of that. I'm the Lord of the whole world. And one of these days, the whole world is going to do it. God says, you think the captive can't be set free? I can do it. I will deliver the captive. I will set them free. I will oppress those who oppressed you. I will deliver your children and everyone is going to see it. And you will know, there's coming a day, you will know the mighty one of Jacob is your redeemer. You will know it. And God says that is going to happen in this real world. You need to understand that. Let's apply it. Serve God confidently knowing he is going to keep his promises. Just a footnote, by the way. God says when he come back, there'll be so many people, you're going to say, Lord, we need a bigger land. This place is too small for us. And if you're studying the scripture, you know that when they came back from Babylonian captivity, for the most part, just a scraggly band came back. So I believe that God is talking about a future restoration. But no matter when it happens, God will keep his promise. Folks, he will never forget us. He will never forsake us. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and for your mercy. We praise you, Lord, that we too have been written on the palms of the hands of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we know you'll never forget us, and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless each one of you.